This is the story of a little guy in a big world, a small board game publisher trying to make an impact on a fast-paced industry with thousands of new games each year. Without being able to compete with low prices or large print runs, Buttonshy is simply just doing things its own way. Welcome to DIY Board Games. Today's interview is Jason Slingerland, designer of It Really Ties the Room Together, our February postcard game based off of The Big Lebowski. Jason's also designed games such as Water Balloon Washout, uh, Gunslinger and Ramblers. He is the co-host of the Building the Game podcast, and from what I learned today, uh, a filmmaker as well. So let's get right into it. Here's our discussion about The Big Lebowski. I'm here with Jason Slingerland, designer of this month's cult film postcard game, which is called... Do you remember what it's called? I didn't know there was going to be a test. I'm a little uh, it's, No, it's, it really... It, I believe the name of the game, it really ties the room together. Thank so you. I'm just, yeah, no, this is all tests. You don't know what you're getting into. Um, oh, no. I'm so mad. at the two-hour, one-minute mark of Big Lebowski... No. Um, so It Really Ties the Room Together is a cult film postcard game uh, inspired by the film The Big Lebowski. So, yes. First couple questions is uh, what was the first? What was your first experience with The Big Lebowski? Oh man, I, the, the first time that I saw that movie, it just it was that was I think that was my first actual like introduction to the Coen Brothers. Like they had made other movies that I'd seen parts of, but never really like. And when I saw that movie, I was like, "What movie?" What is happening in this movie? Like, <laughs> what is happening in this movie? Um, I'm a huge fan of Jeff Bridges, a huge fan of John Goodman. Um, and so, like, it just, that film just works, right? Um, and also, I, I've read a lot about the film, and one of the things that a lot of people don't pick up on in the film is it's a it's a noir film. Like, it's a modern-day noir film, Yeah, of right? course. Like, it hits all the high points of, of a noir film, and, like, I just think that's super cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, and the, the thing about that movie is there's so many iconic characters in that movie right like it's not just the dude like there's Walter yeah, oh, and there's Donnie like every character Donnie right you know Jesus you're out of your element right? <laughs> <laughs> um it came out in 98 do you know if you, how soon after that did you see it do you know uh it was probably a while after that actually um I didn't I was into films in high school but like I I just I missed some stuff. Like I didn't see Pulp Fiction until several years later as well, after that came out. Um, and then once I started kind of seeing those type of movies, it just started, everything just started to click with, with the things I wanted to do with film. Um, even though the first film I made was a comedy, the second film was a documentary and the third film was a, a sci-fi action adventure. So none of them really hit any of those like points at all. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Those are the type of films that spoke to me. Um, well, sometimes you know, what you what you like and what you make are not the same. Like even with games, like right. the games you play might right. not be the it's games true. you make. It's true. That's true. Um, I don't I think, think I. That, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I don't think I saw it until like ten years after it came out. Probably. I remember it was like. Oh wow. For me, some of those movies, like there's the movies that people talk about all the time, and then I get to the point where I don't want to see them because people talk about them so much, and I'm like, right. well, now right. it's too late. I'm not gonna like it. Uh, and I remember, like, my in-laws loved it. My brother-in-law, Marty, was way into it. And everybody would quote it and everything. And finally, I was just like, let me take the DVD and I'll watch it. And I think I watched, like, half of it. And I was still mad because I was like, 
I wasn't in on this the first time around, so I'm not even going to like it. Uh, and then I probably by the second time I watched it, I was just like, oh, man. Now I understand, like, where everybody was coming from with this. Right. It's just, I mean, it's fantastic, right? Everything, everything about it just fits so well together. Yeah, it really um, um, so you mentioned that you made some films. I didn't even know this. Uh, I, I can imagine it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but so tell me about that. I, um, I wish I had them sitting around here, but I, I don't. I have copies somewhere. I have like a, a bo- bunch of boxes of copies. What's um, like the time frame? Um, like when was this? Uh, so in like 2008, I decided to make a feature film. I made a lot of short films, but I was like, I'm going to make a feature film. Uh, so I made this movie called Coffee Shop Kings um, that is about uh, these two guys who live in a Michigan beach town. So it's a very big tourist town because the Michigan beach towns are tourist towns during the summer and just nothing during the winter. Um, and, I can't uh, even imagine a Michigan beach, which is like, I'm like New Jersey beach. I totally know. And like live uh, yeah. within 45 yeah, minutes we, of it. Yeah, we have what is a Michigan lakes. beach? I mean, a Michigan beach is, it's just is a, much like that, except for with a lot less death because there's no, you know, ocean involved. It's just a, a big lake. Is so, it you know, cold? There are no sharks or jellyfish. Oh, uh, in the summer, I mean, it's, it certainly doesn't get as warm as like it does in Florida or something like that. But I mean, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's not bad. You know, That's honestly, I'm not a beach person like at all. Like I kind of hate the beach. I don't even <laughs> but, go outside, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, the, so the film, uh, you know, I just wanted to to tell a story about these two guys who basically lived in a coffee shop. Um, for this winter season. Um, and that was their life every night. They were at this coffee shop and they were there to solve people's problems so they didn't have to focus on their own problems. Um, and it just it just tells the story of those characters. And uh, um, yeah, it's, it's a comedy. Um, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the best I can think to say about it. It's about these two guys. <laughs> in Finland, uh, it was amazing because they like, let us shut parts of the town down to be able to film for like no charge because they were just so excited that we we're in this little town uh, filming. Um, and it actually, the funny thing is, it's not filmed in a beach town. Uh, it's filmed in a town that's like 15 miles from the beach. Okay. Uh, but we pretend that it's a beach town in Michigan uh, that doesn't exist. It's a beach <laughs> town that I made up. Um, so, did yeah, uh, I was it was so it was my first effort. I was I was very very happy with how it turned out. It like when it won. At the Muskegon Film Festival, it won audience choice runner-up. I was pretty excited about that. I put that right on the DVD. I was pretty excited. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Now that I, I already sent these for printing, I would have put that on the postcard. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Um, and then the second film I made, I, that's what, this is, the second film is why I can't believe you didn't hear that I've made films. The second I, film I made was... I don't know if I've like, like heard it or like assumed it. Like I know like even just from doing... Uh, uh, the old Google Hangouts, I'd see like your posters and stuff, and like and I knew film was like a thing, but I didn't know to what extent. Oh yeah, no, it was, so I, it's a lot less now. Um, so the second film we made was called Hobokan, and that film was uh, all about um, uh, Gen Con at the convention Gen Con. Myself and then Rob Couch from the Building the Game podcast, and then our friend Wilhelm Rumpf, who's just a crazy guy who's up to try anything. Um, With a great name. Too. We. Uh, yeah, right? We, <laughs> Wilhelm, Wilhelm Lamar Rump. That is it gets even better. <laughs> it does. It, does, it doesn't get better than that. Like, and he's a, he, he lives up to that name 100% of the time. Um, I love that guy. And uh, So anyways, he, the three of us decided to go to Gen Con with no food, no money, no place to stay, and live there as hobos for three days. So this is like um, not a documentary. This is like scripted. 
No, this was a documentary. Oh, it was. Okay. We actually did this. Like, we actually went to Gen Con and lived for three days with no food, no money, no place to stay. We, we brought with us um, pins that said, I heart hobos and hobocon on them. And, uh, what and year we, was this? At uh, Gen Con. No, which year? Oh, uh, 2009. Okay. No, 2008. 2008, yeah. Because um, it came out in 2009. So we went there um, and we... We broke all the rules. We did all the stuff you're not supposed to do. Um, and it was, it was crazy. We, uh, so basically the setup was we would interview people to get their feedback on the, on the show. And then we would try to get them to take our pins and give us food or money for the pins. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it actually worked really well. We never were shy of food for the whole weekend. The big issue that we ran into was finding a place to sleep. Um, we got kicked out a, a lot. Um, because yeah. that, that happened to be the year they were super cracking down on it. Like the day, the week, the year before, I saw just people sleeping there like nobody's business. And then that year, it was like, oh gosh, your eyes look closed and you're sitting on that bench. Like, like during the day, they would have that problem? No, at night as well. So we didn't try and sleep during the day. See, I would have just shifted like like 7 a.m. to 11 or something. Yeah, that, that probably would have been smart. And there's thinking back now, like, I know that there are tables like the Westin that have like skirts, and you totally could sleep under those and no one would know. Or, oh. like, if you wanted to go in like a film room and just when it's dark, just go in there and sleep, no one would notice and you totally get away with it. I did a sci fi uh, con up in, in Rye, New York, and uh, I was there early in the morning in the game room and grumbling out from under the, the, t- the tables with the skirts uh, in the main game room. This dude that just sleeps under it and doesn't get a hotel room, and I was like, "Yeah, that dude." Like, first of all, it looked completely like awkward, but uh, right. he he probably saved the two hundred bucks I spent on the hotel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would have never known he was there. Like, never. Right. <laughs> you would have heard me snoring like four room, rooms over. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so we, the the stories of the places we ended up sleeping are pretty crazy, and uh, I won't spoil for the movie. You can actually, I'm building the gamepodcast.com. You might be able to buy a copy of the movie, maybe. Or you can email me and I'll, I'll sell you a copy, whatever. Cool. Um, but uh, not you. I'm talking about your people listening to this podcast. Uh, next time I see you, I'll just bring you a copy. Uh, so, <laughs> awesome. um, but anyways, uh, so yeah, we did that. We, we Then we sent it to Gen Con and said, hey, can we show this here? We want to premiere this at Gen Con. Wow. And we didn't hear anything back for a long time. And so I kept emailing them saying, hey. Any news on this? Any news on this? And he kept, well, we haven't watched it yet. We haven't watched it yet. And I thought, yeah, you did. Uh, and then finally, one day, it just appeared on the schedule. And we we're like, oh, my gosh. So I sent the guy a message and said, hey, man, you have my permission to show this as many times as you want to show it um, during the course of the con. Because uh, we, had, we had signed a deal with IPR, um, Indie Press Revolution, who did, yeah. like, the uh, RPGs and stuff and some board and card games. And uh, they're, they don't exist anymore. Now they're, like, hero games or something like that. Um but we signed a deal with them with the agreement that they would sell it for us at Gen Con. Um, so that way we had, a, we had an avenue to try and push the DVDs while we were there because we released DVDs at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and the guy from Gen Con replied and said, I want you to know that there was a lot of discussion about your game and allowing I mean, your game, so your movie and allowing you to show this movie here. And, and our backup plan was if they told us to know, we were going to try and rent the theater out next door and make it the documentary Gen Con doesn't want you to see. Yeah, <laughs> argue it that way, right? Um, but yeah, they ended up letting us show it. They were actually pretty good about it. They stormed into the premiere. I hate to use the word stormed, but 
The security <laughs> came into the premiere to check our badges. Okay. Um, they didn't give us press passes like you would get if you normally would show films. Of course. And uh, and then we over the years we we found out a lot more. I mean, we we uh, Pete Ant- Peter Atkinson, who was the guy who used to run Gen Con. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like to refer to him as my Catwoman to my Batman. Um, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> he's my arch nemesis. He yeah. doesn't know this, but but he is. Um, so he, he looks really stupid in the movie, so he was not pleased about that. But it's a documentary. What are you going to do, bro? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, so anyways, they let us show it for two years, and then they told us we couldn't show it anymore. Um, and we tried the next year to get press passes, and they knew us by sight, as in you can't have press passes. So the, oh, Sorry, the reason they were so raw with the press passes was we lied to them. We said, we're going to make a documentary about Gen Con. Like just a legit documentary, could we get press pass? They were like, absolutely, whatever you need. We're so excited to have you here. And then we did this. Yeah. So they were pretty, pretty ticked. So, so I've like heard your beef with Gen Con like come up, but I didn't know the yeah. history. Like I knew like like a, a, a couple things, but like I definitely didn't know like how deep rooted it was. Yeah, no, there's like a legit beef, like to where um, I, the, I'll never forget the story. There's I won't say the lady's name, but she was the the lady in charge of press. Uh, dealing with all the press and the media for, for several years. I don't think she's there anymore, but I, I don't I just want to say her name. Uh, somebody could figure it out if they wanted to, but she was the one who was really hard on us. Um, and then I got to talk to a volunteer a few years later who we were at some party that was like this invite only party where they had invited some media type people. And so, so they remember, well, what are you here for? I said, Oh, I made this movie called Hobocon. And the lady's like, Oh my gosh. She's like, I have a story to tell you. <laughs> like, she's like, I was in the room when the head of the, the press people figured out what you were doing and she was screaming and throwing things. Oh my she God. was so mad. <laughs> so, That's amazing. So because I think because she had sold it to like the higher ups is like this is this is a somebody's doing a documentary about yeah. con. Like how exciting is this? And then like it was this big, you know, fake thing that just made them look stupid. And uh yeah, so oh. so that's that. Uh, so the last movie we, we have a movie we've been working on for six years I'm not even making that up like six years it's uh I wanted to make a sci-fi blockbuster action adventure movie for less than ten thousand dollars okay um, and we it's been filmed it's, I can't it's been so edited. just to let you know I can't even make a wallet game for less than ten thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> well we we made basically Mad Max <laughs> without the cards that's for awesome. less than ten thousand um, dollars and I'm really really happy with how it turned out uh, we've had some issues with a few things and we've had to, because we're not hiring people, we're just taking volunteers to finish some of the stuff. We've had to redo a lot of like, we've had a lot of problems with sound. We've had to redo some things and it's just little pieces that I know we'll get through, but it stinks because we're trying to get this out. And it's been, it's been six years since we wrapped filming. Uh, it will be six years this year since we wrapped filming. We just desperately want to get this movie out because we're really proud of it. Um, and, you know, people are going to see this movie and think, like, whoa, like, there's no way you make this for less than $10,000. There's just no way. Um, but we did. It looks like we shot it in a desert, and we shot it in Michigan. Wow. Um, and, like, I mean, like, you will believe that we shot it in the desert. And we did some things where we made it look like we buried a, a 1982 Chrysler Reliant. Uh, so, like, in, in a dune. Yeah. Uh, we did. We faked it. But, man, does it look like we did. Um, so, yeah, we just... We just did a lot of crazy stuff. I every time, like when you're an independent filmmaker, you, you tend to like, you tend to write the things you know you can shoot. Oh, totally. Um, and I got I got tired of that. So I said I said to Rob because Rob was an executive producer on this movie, and he made a ton of the, the crazy props we had. 
yeah. said, dude, I'm done doing that. I'm going to write the movie I want to shoot, and we're just going to make it happen. And so we did. That's <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. I mean, and I would yeah, take that so, back to game design as well. Is like, I design card games because I know card games are easy to get out there, right. you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, right? Like, I don't design big board games because I know I'll have trouble selling them. Exactly. Uh, but at some point, you want to just bust it all out and make this massive, huge game. Right, right, right. You know, so, um, so yeah, you know. So, okay, so that's film stuff. Sorry, I know you want to talk about other stuff. No, 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 that's, that's perfect. Uh, <laughs> that's the history. So, like, some of the things I want to know is, like, what's your history with film? And obviously, there's plenty of it. I went to uh, the Art Institute of Philadelphia for film and video, and that's like my my little background. But right after school, I wound up getting more into video. Worked for news agencies, things like that. Uh, and then um, now I work for a foreclosure law firm. <laughs> you know, I'm a mortgage banker. What's up? exactly? So, I'm uh, actually not a mortgage banker. I work in projects in IT, but that is my day job. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like. Uh, I've always been interested in film. I've dabbled in little things here and there. Uh, definitely just more on the creative side than anything professional. Um, what I'm curious about, though, and this is, has nothing to do with the film we're talking about, um, all this stuff is sort of like pre-YouTube, you know? Like, I mean, YouTube's obviously been a thing, but pre-YouTube being a big thing for independent filmmaking. So, um, right. Like, I'm surprised I haven't seen clips from this, even, like, especially the Gen Con one just being game-related. Like, I haven't seen anything with that. That's, like, uh, 2008, you said? 2007, 2008? That's just, like, right on the cusp of anybody using YouTube yeah. for anything. Yeah, we just... I don't know why we didn't, but I mean, we made DVDs. We had, like, legit DVDs printed. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we never put much on YouTube for it. I don't know why. There's a clip... There's a preview for Hobocon that we filmed the year before at Gen Con where I have a gladiator fight and win. Like, in, they, like they have the gladiator pits there. Yeah, yeah. Like at Gen Con, like with the foam swords. And Rob went in, uh, Rob Couch, he went in first and uh, got hurt so bad he had to go to the hospital. So then I had to go in and like, like beat his champion and, you know, fight for his honor. Not, not get him to the hospital. You go in and fight for him. Well, he, I, nobody actually thought he needed to go to the hospital until the next day. Uh, he got, so like those, those swords they use, those foam swords things, the big cloth covered ones. Yeah. The handles are made of like, like pipe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then like, they have like those, those ropes wrapped around it. And the, the, the knot on the rope hit the, like the, the big bone that sticks up on your wrist. Okay. Like, and it was swelled so bad that he thought it was broken. It wasn't. He got an X-ray and stuff, but oh, <laughs> yeah, it was just a contusion. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so so that's the only clip I think. But I actually, I just realized I have an electronic version of Hobocon. I'll email it to you. So, oh, awesome! Uh, my friend, my friend Neil Roberts, who people hear us talking about on the podcast, uh, he uh, he, I gave him a copy, and he's like, I went ahead and ripped this. It's online now. He's like, it's <laughs> in this place. Just send people the link if you want to be able to watch it. I was like, awesome! I totally so, leaked it. <laughs> <laughs> right, that'd be fine. You know, I mean, we've sold all the cops we're going to sell. Both the films I've made have made a little bit of money. That's uh, awesome. And the third one, I, I believe, will as well. So, and my goal with the films really just to break even because if it's a hobby that I can do for free, right? You know, yeah, of course. Uh, it's just like game design. I mean, that's I'm just trying to make a little money to break, you know, to feel like I did slightly better than break even, maybe offset some convention costs. Breaking uh, even in game design is a, is a tough feat. So it is. 
or not even game design. In if you do any self publishing, which I know you've done, that's where the money starts to really start to flow out of your pockets, not into your pockets. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, We did a Kickstarter, but I still. I mean, we purposely set the Kickstarter at a lower level than I needed to publish the game. I mean, I I needed the Kickstarter, and 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 we funded with like an extra hundred bucks to spare. Like we would never. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean. We fought tooth and nail for that money, man. And the, and the goal was only $7,000. I know. But I did a lot of things wrong with that Kickstarter. I didn't have finalized art and stuff because, like, when I first researched Kickstarter and it was, like, the Wild West, you needed, like, a game idea. And people gave you, like, $100,000, yep. right? Like, that's just how it worked. But I hit it just after that cusp where, like, people were like, oh, wait, no, you need, you know, a game with lots of artwork. So I had a finished game, but I didn't have all the artwork for it because I couldn't afford to do all the artwork for it. Yeah. So I could afford you like 10 pieces, but that wasn't nearly enough. And, um, and so, now yeah. artwork is like 70% of white people back games. Yeah, oh, definitely. Because you don't know much about the game, but darn, that artwork looks cool. Yeah, exactly. So maybe I'll give it a chance. Yeah, absolutely. I, I fall into that trap too, though. Like, you know, I, I, I do too. Look at the game, and if the artwork looks good, I'm like, maybe I'll look at this game some more. I, I'm at the point where I'm like... I will back <laughs> Well, what's that? Uh, that Neon City Rumble. I'm like, I'll take it. I don't even care if it's crap, you know. And I'm sure it's pretty decent, right. like from what I hear. But it like, awesome. yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm very much like that. I'm very much a person. I buy a game based off its cover, you know. Like I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Before like watching reviews and uh, not if I'm going to spend some bucks, but if it's cheap, I'll do that. Right, and I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch any reviews. Um, I would. I don't even watch playthrough videos because I don't have the attention span. Like I hate reading rules, so you'd think I would just like to watch playthrough videos, but I don't. Like I don't either. My like I will back a game on Kickstarter and then go to a convention and they're demoing it, and I'll make the game designer teach me how to play it so that I don't have to read the rules. (laughs) Like I've done that more than once. That's pretty good. Yeah, and I most of the time with games. I let Rob learn them and then make Rob teach me how to play them. Because Rob used to be a trainer. Uh, at the last company that we both worked at. So he's really good. That's good. Like, I wish he did videos on games because he's super good. I could see that. Another guy, another guy who's really good is Kopak, Chris Kopak. Yep. That dude can explain a game like nobody's business. I would actually say he's probably better at it than Rob is because he's done it so much with people. Yep. Um, yeah. You got a complicated game? Just ask that guy. He, he is amazing. Yeah, so, totally. Also, a super fun dude to play games with. But, like, <laughs> yep. yeah, I love learning new games from him. So... He makes yeah. it so easy. I don't have anybody local that's like that. Like, I really wish I did. <laughs> I know, right? Like, just like the person who who gets the new games and then and then like you know curates them and then shows them to everybody. But right. yeah, my game group is like me, my brother, my brother-in-law, and uh, you know we all have the same games and whatever. So right. I'm I'm the one reading the rule book all the time. The problem that I run into is if Rob's not there. I'm the nerdiest person there. Right? <laughs> Saying that Rob and I are like on par with nerdiness, no one else there wants to play games as much as I do. Yeah. So they expect that I'm going to know the games better than everybody there, you know? So, yep. yeah. All right. So, uh, Big Lebowski. Um, yeah, the Big Lebowski. I've never seen it. I don't know. So. <laughs> Tell me, uh, so when's the last time you saw it? Um, I think I watched it right after you let me pick the game. Okay. Um, so, so that little story about that. So you sent out, I don't know if you talked this before, but you sent out the email to some designers and said, Hey, I want you to do the, to a game for me. 
Here's the list of movies. It's first come, first serve. And, like, I saw The Big Lebowski and I was like, I will stab someone (laughs) if they try and take that. And I don't know if Um, you know the story, but that somebody else actually already, like, claimed it sort of and uh, decided they couldn't do it. Did, Did I tell you any of that? No. Because I was, like, the second person to sign up on the list. You were, like, immediate, but it was, like, I talked to some people just before I sent out the list, and uh, Mike Mullins was, like, oh, I totally want to do that. And then after, like, an hour or so, I'm, like, sending this stuff out, he's, like, oh, I can't do it. You know, like, I have an idea, but uh, give it to somebody else if, if, if you want to. If it's still around at the end, you know, I'll do something. And then within like 10, 10 seconds, 10 seconds, I set the mic and then he's like, oh, but I, I just came up with this really cool idea. And it was just like, to, you know, I need to buy Mike a beer next time I see him. <laughs> yeah. Like, of course, the, the cool idea came immediately after like, um, right. but then I told him your idea and it was like, oh, the rug, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, so that for me, yeah, no, go ahead. Whatever. I, you have questions. So ask your questions. No, no, know. go for it. It's totally open. I was just going to say. I have less I questions than you think. Rug. The reason I chose the rug for the game, and I, I'm not sure if you care, but maybe the listeners do. I chose the rug because to me that, I mean, that is, that's the movie, right? That is, without the rug, you don't have a movie. Yeah, um, true. And, you know, you, so you said, hey, here are the components you can use. And I went and I busted out a deck of cards and I looked at the back of the cards and I had like kind of those standard red back cards with kind of the, the stupid, ugly pattern on them. Yep. And I laid the cards out and I was like, that's a rug. Done. <laughs> game design. Like I went to Rob and I was like, dude, you have to make a rug. And he's like, that game is awesome. He's like, how does it work? I'm like, I don't know, but you have to make a rug. And he's like, you set so up the cards, awesome. you pee on them. Dexterity game. The rules is a joke. Pee on the cards. It's a dexterity game. Pee on the cards, ruin the rug. Um, yeah, that's that's no. I mean, to, that that's perfect. When you came back and said it was the rug, I was like, yeah, yeah, it has to be the rug. <laughs> so, um, and I and I loved the idea of just having the game be called. It really ties the room together because uh, I think I was calling it that from the beginning, and then we kind of went back and forth. And like, I know that's not the line from the movie exactly, but like, I just thought that it was, you know, uh, it just seemed to work. For it, me. Yeah, I mean, the game <laughs> is about tying the room together, so it makes sense, right? right. Um, so. That's like uh, I was going to ask you what, what like a quote from the movie that you love, or it doesn't even have to be the perfect exact. Um, is there anything or, or oh, you know? Man, there's so there's so many things. Like it's the like uh, I mean, everybody loves and remembers. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. Yeah, of course. Uh, like, and I don't know if you uh, you've seen the last rules. version of the that's in the rules, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I think I put that, I think, yeah, I think I may have originally put that at the end of the rules. I don't remember. It was, uh, yeah. I did, yeah. And it made it I was trying it. to be funny. Like, and I was like, hey, that would be funny. Um, the, uh, the, like, I love the little lines about the movie. I don't know if this is, I don't know what the rating of this podcast is, but. Uh, I'll beep um, if I need to. Where the, um, the Lebowski wife, Bunny, Bunny Lebowski. Yep. Like, when he's looking for the rug and she's like, she. <laughs> Says she will perform sexual favors for him for 500 bucks. And then he's like, I'm just going to find an ATM. <laughs> Most people don't even realize that he says that, right? It's just kind of this throwaway line, but it's so stinking hilarious. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, man, I, <laughs> I love it so much. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, to me, 
I don't know, like like a favorite character or anything like that, but to me, it's always Steve Buscemi as Donnie. Like uh, Steve Buscemi in any movie. Have you ever seen? Have you seen Ghost World? No, I haven't. Okay, so if you, if you like Steve Buscemi like as Donnie, uh, he, it's not the same in Ghost World. But just even like just watch the first ten minutes. It's him just. He's like selling things at a yard sale and and he's like selling like old records and people come up to him and he's like, oh, that one's not for sale. Oh, no, 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 that one's not for sale. And it's like, it's not that far different because it's kind of the same time era and everything. Um, But like, it's him in any movie. Like, he totally can steal the show in any small role he does. Um, right. And, and, and in course, like every Coen Brothers movie, increasingly terrible things always happen to him throughout, <laughs> their, like, throughout their movies. And I love that about that. Exactly. Uh, I think my favorite character, though, from the movie is uh, is Walter. Uh, I'm, well, like John Goodman, yeah. he was born to play that role. He is. Right? He's so good in that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and to uh, outshine, you know, Jeff Bridges, which I don't know that he outshines him, but just like he is killer in that role. Yeah, he just he is, you know, because in every noir film, right, you have to have like the buddy, right? Yeah. And the buddy has to be very different than the main character. That's super important, right? Yep. And like he, I mean, he is he is the antithesis, right, <laughs> of of the dude. He is right? stressed he's out, super yeah. strong, always mad. You know, I don't roll on Shabbos. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that was oh, one of the quotes. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, other Coen Brothers stuff. Uh, I saw Fargo before this, and yeah. I that may be the only other one I've seen. I, I think. Oh um, man, the Coen Brothers—they do such good stuff. Like um, Fargo was great. Fargo was one of my faves. Yeah, Fargo's Fargo. great. Francis McDermott in in Fargo is is one of the best people I've seen ever. And by the way, the Fargo show—I've only seen the first season, not the second season. Yeah, I'm curious about it. Was it. Amazing. Is it really? It so, oh my gosh, it was so good. That's cool. Like it's, it's just another story in that world, right? You know, that's cool. That's, it was just, it was amazing. Um, other Coen Brothers movies, though, yeah, I'm a big fan of. I mean, they they did classics like Raising Arizona. Yeah. Um, Burn After Reading is actually really funny. Um, Burn After Reading, the best line in that entire movie is, I don't know if you've seen Burn After Reading. I haven't the seen that. Oh gosh, I just played. <laughs> 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 It's like I can't remember the exact, but it's like I want you to know. You need to wait. Is it? Uh, you should be concerned about the security of your shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty and good. And uh, the other good thing about the movie is uh, what's his name? Uh, um, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Who played like J. Jonah Jameson? Yeah, of course. He was yep. June, Juno. He's amazing. He is the FBI or CIA director, whatever organization it is. And they're like, we recovered this body. So we're gonna we're gonna pass that over to, to Homeland and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Burn the body. Get rid of it. My gosh, like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, so the one I wanna see, I wanna see inside Lewin Davis. Like I've seen clips on on uh, on I YouTube. That's really good. Yeah. And, and John and, Goodman, of course. And Oscar Isaac, man, like that guy came out of nowhere. Yep. Like I didn't even realize who he was. I just knew he was in Star Wars. And then I was like, wait, wait, that's the same guy from X Machina? How is that even possible? Like, no, like, he, yeah, and he doesn't even look the same at all in the two of them. No, and he's crazy good. Like, I haven't seen that. I've seen that. I saw that. I've seen a few scenes and some trailers from that movie. And, like, like that guy's amazing. Yep. So, that's, yeah, I'm a, 
I, I need to see that. I'm pretty excited about seeing that at some point. And then Hail Caesar, the trailer is just kind of working its way. That looks good. Yeah, that looks so, so good. Like, no Country for Old Men is also fantastic. Yeah, I haven't seen um, it. I'm like, I'm so far behind. Since I had kids in 2007... You just stopped seeing movies? Well, it's funny because, like, I, I used to... I, we do this podcast, a different podcast for Fruitless Pursuits, and I kind of co-created that site, and it's a pop culture website, and I would do my top movies of the year, and I'd be like, here are the five movies I saw in order. Uh, so, like, it's just been like, I'll get to the movies three, four times a year, and one of them will be with my wife and no kids. Um, right. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, like, we used to do a lot of, like, Redbox and, like, rentals and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, you have kids. You know what it's like. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I actually end up watching most movies by myself now. Me too, like, yeah. I went and saw Star Wars by myself. My wife actually went and saw it with me later. But, like, I went and saw it by myself the first time. Because it's just easier when you have kids. It's just easier to just go do it on your own. Yep. And then... Like, worry about the rest of it later. Yeah. So, I I haven't seen, like, there's a big gap from, like, 2007 2007 to probably, like, 2012 where I saw, like, nothing. I watched, yeah. yeah, I remember watching, like, Lost during that time, whatever. uh, and, And as we'd watch Lost, my daughter would scream the entire time, and I'd be like... I missed something. Now I got to go on the internet and read about it. Um, oh, that show. Yeah. That was the worst for that. Like you'd be like, uh, I don't know what's happening. I missed I, everything. I was like, I need dead silence in here. And she would scream. Like, it was funny. Cause like that hour of the week was the hour she screamed more than any other hour for the, for the entire week. She was trying to warn you that the end of the show sucked. Exactly. Watching. Yeah. She's like, dad, I'm going to save you six years. <laughs> she didn't. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> So other big Lebowski stuff. Uh, so you saw the list of movies. Obviously, this one stood out to you. Uh, yes, absolutely. There were other movies on there that I thought looked great that I would love to do a thing for. Yeah. But this was this was by far my number one choice. Man, when I saw this, I was like, "That's that's my movie." So when so. you watched it after that, does uh, you know does everything still hold up for you today? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. I was trying to find a picture of you, but I couldn't of. I found one of me, but there was one, uh, a few years back, my wife and I went as the dude and Walter. Um, <laughs> and she was a really impressive dude. She had like the perfect hair for it at the time. We, we made her a big goatee. And then she, uh, we found this amazing sweater at Goodwill. And so uh, good. yeah, it was, it was the best thing ever. Um, best Halloween costume ever. I felt really good about it. And uh, yeah. And I got to be Walter, which was easy because I just put on some some of the yellow blue blocker <laughs> sunglasses, and that was really it. And a vest. I mean, that was really all it took for me. Yeah, I and the picture's good. Like, I, shorts. yeah, right. It's totally Walter. Yeah. So I was like, that was what my haircut was like then. I mean, I was more looking like Walter than I realized. Probably more than I wanted to admit. You know. Yeah. Really. <laughs> so, is there any? Uh, do you think any film like hits the same notes as this? Not in like like what it does for you, but like does anything feel like Big Lebowski since or you know? Can you think of anything like that? <laughs> because I feel like um, like looking at some of the other movies, like we talked last time we talked about Pulp Fiction with Ben Beagle, and uh, there's a whole bunch of like imitators of that. I think Big Lebowski is a little more subtle, you know. I think yeah. what it does well is 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 not so in your face. It's more of the subtleties, right? Exactly. Yeah, and, I mean, I certainly 
think there have to have been other movies that match that tonality, I think, pretty well, but off the top of my head, I don't know what they are. I mean, I, you know, that's a movie where, like, you laugh a lot and you feel kind of guilty for laughing so much because of the terrible things happening. Um, but, like, you know, there's certainly other movies like that, you know, where you just, you know, they, yeah. What are they, like, the characters are just so ridiculous. Yeah. You believe that they exist, right? Like, that's what's so weird about it. It's like, you feel like the characters actually exist yeah. because they're just too weird to not exist. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Like, there's no way that's real, but it, it's got to be. Like, it's so weird. Yeah. It's got to be real. Um, I can't, like, go bowling and, like, not quote the movie, think about the movie the entire right. time I'm there. Like, yeah. it definitely has oh, yeah. had that impact on, on culture. And... Oh, yeah. So and you know what's so uh, – here's a fun fact that uh, if, you, uh, if you are listening and you're like, no, you're wrong, I'm not. Uh, but go check it out for yourself. <laughs> For all of the the bowling that happens in that movie, the dude you never see him bowl in the entire movie. You really you never don't? see him throw a ball in the entire movie. Do you in like the trailer? Like I, I, it's been a while no. since I've seen the trailer. Poster no, like, is it? It's on the poster. Come back from. Is it on the poster? Maybe on the poster. I think there's a poster where he's got his arm back. It could be. It could be. But like in the movie, he'll get up to go bowl. Yeah. He'll come back from bowling. In the dream, he is the bowling ball, yep. but he's not actually throwing a bowling ball. Yeah, you never see him throw a bowling ball the entire movie. Oh, that's so weird. Um, which I think is is kind of funny because, like, um, yeah. So the poster I'm thinking of, I'm just going to show you. Uh, hold on, hold on. My phone's getting all funny. It's like a weird poster. Do you see that one? Technically, he's not bowling, though. I guess he's holding her arm. You're right. And she's holding the ball, so I think that's still covered. I don't think I've ever even seen that poster. Like neither, neither have I. That's a weird poster. I saw it's it like from the dream sequence. Yeah, I so. saw it online the other day, and I was like, "That's a pretty cool poster." That's really weird. That's a, that's a pretty cool fact. Um, Big Lebowski. So for me, like one of the things was, are you have you ever seen the Crazy for Cult uh, Gallery nineteen eighty eight like art galleries? They do like a. <laughs> They just do cult films, and they do have artists come in and do art based on the cult films. And Big Lebowski is always huge for that. There's always people doing, you know, The Dude, Walter, things like that. Um, and that's where this came into, uh, into like, my idea. That, that whole art gallery is, like, my inspiration for this project. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So, like, pictures of The Dude, like, walking across the rug, like, tiptoe and, like, things like that. Um, but... <laughs> So I took that approach, and that's where all these films come from. And all these films kind of have that same, that same timelessness. They still feel valid today. Uh, yeah. You know, they're super like rich for like art. And then I thought the same for games. Like there's, like to me, Pulp Fiction. There's a thousand games you can make out of that film just because of the things that are yep. happening. Um, yep. So what else? You know, you did the the rug, but. Is there anything else that you thought of? Did you ever think bowling in any way or anything like that? Uh, I, you know, I didn't, but bowling is another really, really good idea. Um, I, I, w- I wanted to uh, incorporate white Russians. That was the other thing, Caucasians, right, in, <laughs> in, the, in the game. You got that Which is there. why, like, well, yeah, yeah, that's why you, uh, you drink a Caucasian every time you uh, don't want to take a turn. Because uh, I felt like that was super thematic, right? Yeah. Um, 
in you know when the Caucasians run out, the game ends. So when you've you've locked your rug down and the game ends. Yep. Uh, and I yeah, I felt really good about that idea. Um, but when I was trying to think of some other stuff, because I did try and think of some other ideas, um, uh, one of the things that I thought might be funny would be like a battle game where they fight the nihilists. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or or a game from Donnie's perspective. Um, oh man! You know, but that seemed more tragic than anything. So yeah, um, you know, and uh, yeah. So I I just I really I like the idea of just having a deck of cards, and then I designed it and was like, crap, I need to have a die too. And then you were like, no, you don't. And I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was actually really geeked when you were like, you don't need a die. Like, yeah, awesome. Um, no, we. It's so yeah, I'm I'm good at like whittling things down and I recently uh, I think I talked about this on one of our other episodes but I'm working on all the like 18 card games and I was talking to somebody who's making a 4x 18 card game and they were like I'm using both sides of the cards and I need all these dice to keep track of stuff and I was like nope we could do it with one side of the cards and no dice and I you know we'll make that happen somehow nice, nice. <laughs> I remember that when I yeah I, I I had that happen to me too I, I have a game I've been trying to pitch to some publishers and uh um it's got a lot of components in it. it's a card game but it's got a ton of components in it and um I was talking to another designer and he said you gotta you gotta trim it down if you want to pitch it to to these different companies you have to trim it down here's what you here's what you can have and I was like but I, I can't do it with that he said well that's what you can have if you want this to work yeah. Um, and I just started looking at things differently and I was, I actually ended up cutting more than I was asked to cut. So <laughs> like, and it was super easy. Like once I just started thinking about it, like in a different way, you know, I'm um, realizing like, Oh, like for instance, in this game, everybody has money, right? Yeah. And um, so everybody has money. Well, I, the game is Gunsling and Rambo's. I don't, I don't know why I can't say that. <laughs> so it's just like being all secretive. And then it was like, wait a minute, it's my game. It's not like anyone can tell me I can't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, in the game had uh, all these this, these chips in it, or this cardboard money, whatever, it doesn't matter. And you were using it to put antis into the pot. And like, and you could only have four players because you had to have nine of these chips for every single player, right? Okay. And I was just, the game was going to be huge. And it's a, it's a, it's a beer and pretzels game. It needs yeah, to be course. like a small, compact experience. And then while I'm working on that, like, like all of a sudden it hits me like wait a minute you're not betting everybody's putting the exact same amount of it. it's like a predetermined amount i have like three abilities of characters that are touching the money if i just take those out and make them something different then instead of having you don't need the money in the pots somebody yeah. always wins the entire pot like i could just have a token that's yeah. the money for the pot for each round so now i have nine pieces of cardboard instead of 36 oh and now you can play with six players because <laughs> yeah so it was like yes that's <laughs> so, awesome and then I realized that some of the tokens, I could double side some of the, the drinking tokens so that they have different values based on the side you have faced up so that you can basically get more than twice the value out of those. Yep. Um, and now the game is super tiny. Um, it's like 54 cards and maybe 20 or 20 to 30 um, pieces of cardboard. And that's the entire game. And like, yeah, that's, that's a small box know, game so, right there. That's awesome. Yeah, I was I was shooting for the Eggs and Empire size box. Exactly. Right? That yep. kind of like, you know, because that's that's the type of game it is. So I feel like it should be in that size box. And that box is attractive to a lot of companies. So um, takes up more shelf space than a, than a tuck box, but not too much. You know what I mean? Well, it takes up enough shelf space that you'll see on a shelf in a store as opposed to a tuck box. Yep. 
Yeah. But it's not too expensive to produce. So it's no. like literally like the sweet spot, right, for those type of games. I have a game so, that I was working on for AEG that's in that box. And I seriously pushed it to the limit on that box size. I think I got it to like 108 cards and two, two uh, chipboard sheets of tokens and the rules. And I was like, oh, man, can we get like a, another card in here? Because like, I don't know what it was, but it was just like, nope, we've hit the limit. So, uh, but like the tokens are seriously, they're all double sided. They all have different functions. And it's like one scenario uses one side, another scenario uses a Like it just was like we crammed everything into the whatever fit into that box. And that, that, that was fun. You can do that, right? Yeah. And then at one point we had one card left, and I was like, well, we got to do something with that card. You know, we, we need to use everything. <laughs> Um, so my, my last question is kind of like that. It's just, uh, how do you feel about like the, the postcard format? Like, was that, was that super difficult in, in being a constraint? Um, you know, yeah, I mean, when you first pitched the idea to me, um, I immediately signed up cause I like to do that without thinking. <laughs> um, and then I was like, Oh crap, man. Like this, this is going to be difficult. Like <laughs> this is going to be really difficult. You know, but then, but then when I thought about it more, I was like, wait a minute, like they have a deck of cards and that deck of cards is more versatile than most of the game's components I would get with something else, right? It's true, it's true. There's so many pieces to it. And I was like, no, I can do, I can do tons with this. Um, yeah, so that, that I thought was really cool was actually the fact that you could do so much with just a postcard was cool. And not to mention it's, it's, it's feel like you're accomplishing something. It's one side of a postcard too. It's not even the whole postcard. Right. Right. Cause the other side has got to be, uh, the illustration. Be there illustration. Yeah. By the way, uh, the artist, man, man, he, he nailed it. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, he's so good. He's... And the other thing, you know, when I first envisioned it, I think I even said to you like, man, I feel like the one side should just be the rug and the other side should be the thing. You said, well, Hey, I'm going to give the artist free reign. You do whatever they want. I was like, Oh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, when I saw it, I was like, I'm so glad that he just did something else. Because, like, I love that the game is about a rug, but the picture is the two main characters that everybody knows and loves.